Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Praise God. This is lesson number seven on the Holy Spirit and his gifts. And if you weren't with us before, we just uh, have been talking about the nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And we kind of broke them up into three different groups. We have the revelation gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the word of spirit. And discerning of spirits. Those three make up the revelation gifts. They reveal something. Then we talked about how there are the power gifts. Special faith, gifts of healing, and working of miracles. Those three make up the power gifts. Then you've got this third manifestation of the Spirit and the gifts. And they're the vocal gifts or the inspirational gifts. And they are prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now, we talked about prophecy. We talked about tongues. And last week we talked about tongues and the ministry of tongues in the church today, in the life of the believer today. And we talked about there's three different manifestations of tongues, which is why people are confused when it comes to speaking with other tongues. There are what is called sign tongues. We see this in Acts chapter 2, sign tongues, when the Holy Ghost was poured out upon the people, the 120 that were there. And I always like to identify the fact that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was also there. And believe it or not, she was a Pentecostal. She got filled with the Holy Ghost. She spoke with other tongues and they glorified God. And the people heard them glorifying God in their own language that they had never learned. So we talked about how tongues is, the sign tongues is speaking in the language that you have never learned, but it's by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that it's done. Then we talked about there are ministry tongues, ministry tongues, and that's in a local body of believers, for example. And someone gives a message in tongues, and that not everybody does, but some do yield themselves to that gift and, and man, it will manifest through them. But then there's devotional tongues and this is the primary use of tongues and this is exactly how it should be. Apostle Paul said, remember, this is Saul of Tarsus who became the Apostle Paul when he saw Jesus on the Damascus road and then of course he turned his heart back over to Jesus and he began proclaiming the gospel and of course wrote almost half, more than half probably of the New Testament and he said, I speak in tongues more than you all, more than you all. And he's speaking to the church at Corinth where they all spoke in tongues a lot. But he said, look, I speak in tongues more than you all. But in the church, that is an assembly of believers like this here, when it came to ministry, he said, I'd rather speak uh, 10,000 words in, you know, or 10 words in, in, in the language that I could speak, and then 10,000 words in tongues because you don't understand what's being said. But he meant that his devotional life was filled with or full of praying in the Spirit or speaking to God with other tongues. And the reason for that, we talked about some of the benefits. It's the initial evidence that you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. 
It also provides for us a self-edification where we build ourselves up or that we edify ourselves uh, or exhort ourselves. We can comfort ourselves by praying in the Holy Ghost or in the Spirit. Uh, we speak divine secrets, we are told. It aids us in prayer for sometimes we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. But thank God we can slip over to the realm of the Spirit and pray out the perfect will of God, we are told in Romans eight twenty six and 27, because He takes hold of together, together with us and helps us pray out the perfect will of God in the Spirit. Then we talked about the fact that we're giving thanks well. Paul the Apostle said, in the Spirit you give thanks well to God. It's the best way we could give thanks to Him uh, is in the Spirit or in tongues. Then, of course, it helps us control our tongue. Anybody here need help controlling your tongue other than duct tape? Anyone? Well, if duct tape isn't good enough, we've got the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost will help us. And also, we build ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, anybody want to build yourself up on your most holy faith? So it's a spiritual exercise that helps us step over into the realm of the Spirit. It stirs up the gift of God that's on the inside of us. And someone said it this way, the more we pray in the Spirit, the more we stay in the Spirit. The less we pray in the Spirit, the less we stay in the Spirit. When you're not in the Spirit, then you're being led by the flesh. There's only other forces that are in this world that could lead us and direct us. That's the devil, the world, and the flesh. What would you rather be led by, the Holy Ghost or the devil, the world, and the flesh? You know, my flesh took me to Orem's Donuts this morning. But the worst part about it was I yielded. <laughs> and I bought a couple. <laughs> Did you ever have one of those? Cinnamon rolls? Oh, my goodness. My Never mind. We wouldn't go down that path. <laughs> Amen. But um, it's okay. Moderation's okay with everything, right? Uh, I didn't hear any amens to that. <laughs> All right. As we continue our study, we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10. Notice what it says. To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, divers kinds of tongues that we talked about last week, to another, the interpretation of tongues. So here, this last gift called the vocal gifts is the interpretation of tongues. Now, let's talk about what it's not first. It is not translating word for word a rendering of what was spoken or was said in tongues. Some people think it has to be translated, but it's not translated, it's interpretation. And if it was translated, I remember when I was in uh, Italy, and I was teaching at that Bible school in Italy, and I had a fellow standing next to me, and he was the interpreter. And he gave, basically verbatim, anything I said, I would make a statement, and then he would repeat after me. I'd make a statement, he'd repeat after me. So that is, of course, he's translating from English into Italian language so they can understand what's being said. Obviously, it's going to be close as far as how many words I use and that sort of thing. But that's not what this is. It's not translating verbatim, rendering word for word what was said. So you can have a short message in tongues and a long interpretation. Or you can have a long message in tongues and a short interpretation. The point is, it is a supernatural thing that's taking place. What's happening here is a message is being delivered by the Spirit through a person, and it's going to be interpreted by somebody, not translated. So it's important that we recognize the fact that none of these gifts are natural gifts. It's not learning the Italian language so that I can translate for somebody or learning Spanish or another language like that. It's not natural. It is supernatural. 
So what is it? It is a manifestation of the Holy Ghost in the life of someone who yields to the Spirit and he delivers a supernatural message or delivers a supernatural uh, manifestation of utterance in a language that he or she does not know. So you're inspired by the Spirit of God to proclaim this, but then you interpret that in the Spirit. It is a showing forth of what's being said. It could be an explanation of what's being said by God in the realm of the Spirit. So we see here that this is a manifestation of the Spirit that needs another gift of the Spirit. There has to be tongues to have an interpretation of tongues. If there's no tongue, there's no interpretation. And so you see, these gifts piggyback. They work together. It is a gift that renders, let's say, tongues intelligible. So someone knows exactly what's being said. And Mark, once again, was stated about the fact that it is a supernatural manifestation of God at work. Both when the tongue is given and then also when the interpretation comes. So this is made intelligible. Someone knows exactly what the mind of God is what's being expressed by God at that particular moment that that person yields. Um, also, you could say that it's probably the least of all the gifts because it requires another gift. And the best way we can explain it would be like this. I used two, two um, nickels and a dime. Say dime would be prophecy and then two nickels. You've got, the word, uh, you've got tongues, interpretation of tongues. So you got tongues, five cents. Interpretation of tongues, five cents. And you got prophecy, ten cents. Now, since we're in inflation, I would say you got two quarters. Everybody know what a half dollar is? Anybody ever see a half dollar? Well, that's dating us, isn't it? So two quarters make up 50 cents, right? But it takes two of them to make up the one. So which is the greater? Is the 50 cent piece. And then you've got these other two. These two combined make up that one gift. So you've got tongues, interpretation of tongues make up prophecy. So basically it's prophecy but it's being manifested how? Through tongues and interpretation of tongues. So when you put these two gifts together, then you've got prophecy. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at verse 5. I would that you all spake with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues. Except, here's the exception, he interpret that the church may receive what? Edifying. So you can see that the gift is for what reason? Edification. To edify. To strengthen. To build up. To comfort. All those adjectives that we use. But here we see uh, the goal of these two. this gift is to make it intelligible so people could hear what's being spoken by God and they can be edified or built up. Well, look at 1 Corinthians, look at 4 now, verses 4 and 5 together. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies who? Himself. But he that prophesies edifies who? The church. So that's why he says, I would that you all speak with tongues, but rather that you did what? Prophesied. Why? Because greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks in tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive what? Edifying or built up. So in other words, when you pray in the spirit, you build yourself up. It's like charging up your battery, charging up your phone battery, charging up your car battery, etc. 
whatever that you're charging up. So you're building yourself up. You're building yourself up. You're charging yourself up in the spirit. How many of you know we need charged up? Right? We need charged up. We're living in a fallen world. We've got enemies that are out there. Three, I can think of the devil, the world, and the flesh all coming against us that want to destroy us and want to bring us down. Want us to walk away from the things of God and not do what God wants us to do. So we need to be charged up. We need to be built up. We need to be encouraged. And as we pray in the Spirit, what we are doing is we're having interaction with the Holy Spirit who's on the inside of us. And He builds us up, charges us up, equips us, enables us, empowers us. So that we can live victorious lives here upon the earth, but also so that we can be conduits or vessels of God's power. And we can be used by God to minister life to other people everywhere we go. So if you see someone with their head down low and they're probably discouraged or whatever, if they are a spirit-filled person, they probably haven't been plugging in to get their battery charged up. Amen? We need to plug in to the Holy Ghost. And by praying in the Spirit, that's what happens. So prophecy edifies the church. Tongues edifies self. But if you speak in tongues a message in the church and someone interprets that tongue, now the church is also edified. So what is the point that God's trying to make? To edify, to build up, to encourage the church. So it can be done through prophecy Or it can be done through tongues and interpretation of tongues. Those are the three gifts, the vocal gifts. Now, have you got a question on your mind? I have one. If this is true and that's what we accomplish, why didn't God just use prophecy? Now, he said, I'd rather that you prophesy. But why the other two gifts? Why not just prophesy? Why not just move upon people's lives and prophesy? He said, all can prophesy. Everyone can prophesy. Then why are these other two gifts there? Anybody here want to question God? Anyone? I wouldn't. They're there. He put them there. So they have a purpose, don't they? And even though those two gifts make up the one gift, they still have purpose and they have meaning. Now, I may not know exactly what it is that God was thinking of, but he is God and he knows more than I do. I've learned a long time ago, he's smarter than I am, he's wiser than I am, he's stronger than I am, he knows more than I am. What about you? He knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. He knows it all, right? So who am I to question God as to why he would put these two other gifts here when prophecy is already there? And if you just move that way in prophecy, then why do you have to have the other two gifts? Well, let's try to answer some with some uh, answers. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 12 and 13. Even for, even so ye, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of yourself. Oh, you're awake tonight. The church, wherefore let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Since we're to seek or excel at edifying the church, building up the church, that if you do deliver a message in tongues, and you know what? Then you should also pray that you could be used in interpreting that tongue. Why? Because if there's no interpreter there and you are speaking out with other tongues, then you have a responsibility to deliver the message so that the church is built up and edified. And that's why he says that we should do that. But why then these two gifts when prophecy does the same thing? Why not eliminate the two quarters and just use the half a dollar? 
Well, number one, the first reason is because um, God wants to promote interdependence. Interdependence within the body. If you recall, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is all about these gifts, but then also talks about the body being a member, let's say one body, but you got many members of that same body, right? And he also said this, the head can say to the foot, I have no need of you. The eye can say to the hand, I don't need you. In other words, everyone is needed. Everyone is used in the body of Christ. There are no unused members in the body of Christ. Everyone is a member in particular, and everyone has a gift, has a talent, has an ability. So he's promoting that throughout the entirety of that chapter. And he lets us know that this is what the body is comprised of. This is what it's made of. Just like your physical body, you know, which finger would you want to lose? None. Right. Who wants to have anything, any part of your body dismembered? No one would want that. Or to be hurt or be sick or be full of pain or whatever. No. It is an organism of love. The whole body of Christ. And everybody is to be loving one another and bringing their gift, bringing their talent, bringing their ability to promote unity among the body and also to edify or to build up. So he's teaching interdependence. So when one person, let's say, delivers the message in tongues and the other person delivers the interpretation, now we got two individuals being involved depending on each other for the outcome. So once again, he is showing that, look, everybody is needed. Yes, I can just move by my spirit on someone to prophesy, and that's it. But I want you to see that you need each other. That could be one reason why he is letting us have this manifestation of these two other gifts. Now, the second thing could possibly be, once again, I'm not being dogmatic about it, but to get the attention of the people within the congregation. Now, this would never happen here that somebody would fall asleep in a church service, right? Not here, right? Or someone would be distracted, or somebody would say that they're looking at their Bible on their phone, but really they're texting somebody else down the street. That would never happen here, right? At Christian Assembly Church, that would never happen, right? Okay. But you see, sometimes we're not at a place within the whole body that we're ready to receive something that's coming by the Spirit in prophecy, you may miss the first part of that prophecy because you're maybe distracted by something else or whatever. But all of a sudden, somebody begins to belt out an anointed message in other tongues. And I mean, it's a powerful message in other tongues. All of a sudden, the Spirit has your attention. Now that He has your attention, you ever notice that when someone does that, it gets real hush? It gets real quiet. In the church service? Why? Because we know something's about to be delivered. God is wanting to speak to us through this means, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and we should be listening to what God is wanting to say. So, number one, we could say it promotes people working together as a unified body of believers, showing that we all are interdependent of each other, we need each other. But then also, here, we see this happening. Everybody comes to a hush. Everybody is listening. Speak to us, Lord. What do you want to say? What are you trying to communicate to us? But then also, thirdly, 
You ready for this one? Possibly, I'm saying. I'm not dogmatic. To dethrone the human intellect. To dethrone the human intellect. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think we think we might know something. <laughs> we're going to go to church and we're going to do this, 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 and this. And the Holy Ghost says, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm going to interrupt you. There's going to come a message in tongues that's going to set the course of that service for a on a different direction, a different course that you're going to go in. You see, we think we know something, but God knows a whole lot more than we know. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So... He operates on a higher level than the human does. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He knows a whole lot more than we do. And so he might move at a specific place in a church service because he wants us to maybe go down that path or go down that direction. We've got to be open to it. We've got to be yielded to it. But it'll happen when someone delivers a message. And those that are maybe too intellectual for that have a problem with that. But look at human reasoning really isn't what it's all about. It's not by the power nor the mind of the human intelligence or the human intellect. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord. So just when we think we got the service completely organized, we're going to sing this song, we're going to have that offering, we're going to make that announcement, and then we're going to have this said, and then we're going to do that. It's all ritualistic and everything. And the Holy Ghost just moves upon someone and he blurts out a message in tongues and then the interpretation comes and all of a sudden, maybe we got an altar full of people up here and a power of God's falling on them. Amen. So God wants to dethrone the human intellect and let us know that, look, it's not ours only. It's not our service. It's his service. It's not our way. It's his way. It's not what we want. It's what he wants. If he wants us just to humble ourselves and get on our knees at the altar here and just be quiet in his presence for a while, then you know what? That's what we do. If he wants us to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face, then we stop what we're doing and that's what we do. If a message comes and something is delivered that says, I want to heal some bodies right now, then we pray for the sick. And we let the Spirit of God take over. If he says, I just want you to worship me right now for the next 10 minutes, then guess what we do? Then we worship for the next 10 minutes and let God have his way among us. So we see that we have at least these three reasons that, that these two gifts can be in operation. Once again, I know God's smarter than we are, so he may have a lot more reasons than what I'm just sharing with you. But to promote this interactivity between all of us, you know, interdependence that we need to let us know that, look, you're not alone, Ranger, out there. You need your brother. You need your sister. You need to be working together to know that uh, we might have to get our attention. He might have to arrest our attention at some point because maybe we're distracted or whatever. We, you can get into a religious rut when you have a service. You know that as well as I do. It's easy to get in that kind of a rut and go down that path and say, this is how we do things. Sometimes he just wants to stir things up. Sometimes he just wants to take over and just say it's not all about what you guys want. It's what I want. I want to do something here tonight. You know, that, and so we want to yield to that. But then, like I said, to dethrone the human intellect. When you start praying with other tongues and there are many that are intellectuals that say, I don't understand any of that. 
Well, that's what he wants us to know, that we don't understand all that. If you think about it, go all the way back to um, the Tower of Babel. Remember? They were all unified. They were all together. They had the same mind, same thoughts. They were going to build a tower that's going to reach the heavens. And they were all laboring together. They were all working together. They could understand each other, speaking the, right, the same language and all that. And so they came together. And what did God say? Look at them down there, what they're doing, how they're working together in harmony with each other. And now look what they're doing. Nothing will be restrained from them for what they want to do. And so what does God do? He implodes the whole situation. What does he do? What does he use to implode the whole situation? Huh? How does he bring it down from within? He confounds their language. Now they can't understand what they're saying to each other and said, hand me that hammer. What did he say? Hand me the hammer. Hand me that saw. What you talking about? Go pick up that rock. Get that mortar. Let's do this. Let's do that. I don't know what he's saying. Oh, let's forget this thing. And they all walked off their separate ways. What does he do on the day of Pentecost? What does he do on the day of Pentecost? He gives us a universal language that we all should be so excited about. It happened in Acts 2 with the Jewish camp. Acts chapter 8 with the Samaritans. Acts chapter 10 with the Gentiles. Amen. Acts chapter 19, the Apostle Paul at Ephesus. And there, there were other believers. So now we see he's covered the whole human race saying that, look, I want you to be filled with my spirit. And when you're filled with my spirit, you will speak with new tongues. And if you think there's no need for that, if you think there's no reason for that, are we smarter than God? Are we wiser than God? He brings us together, gives us a brand new language, a universal language. We might speak that language in eternal glory. Who knows? But we're praying in the Holy Ghost. And what's he doing? Praying out the perfect will of the Father through our lives. What's he doing? Communicating to us in a supernatural way. What's he doing? Giving us a means by which we could be edified, built up supernaturally and spiritually. So that anywhere we go to pray for people, we're fired up, man. We are on fire for God. We are built up. We're edified and we're ready to go. What did he say? What happened when you get and do a power from on high? You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come on you. And out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit that they which believe on him should receive. Right? Every single believer should receive what? The Holy Ghost. Well, someone once said, I want the Holy Ghost, but I don't want that tongue business. When you buy a shoe, you get the tongue. It goes with it. Right? You don't cut the tongue out and just say, I want the shoe, but cut the tongue out and just let it go. You get the Holy Ghost, you get the tongue, they go hand in hand. Well, I'm not used to anything like that. Well, it's time to get used to it. You know why? Mary, the mother of our Lord, was a Pentecostal who spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave her utterance. Mary also prophesied when the Spirit of God came upon her and said that she conceived in her womb the Son of God. Did she not? She was accustomed to, be, to, to the Holy Spirit's ministry in her life. And that's what's happened to the church today. Because you go back, as a matter of fact, you go back to Acts chapter 3 when Peter and, and John went to the temple about the hour of prayer being the ninth hour and seeing this man who was lame from his mother whom had never walked. And when he saw him there, he looked on them wanting to receive something from them. And Peter and John looked on the man and just said, silver and gold have I none. But since I have, give I you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up with, and walk. And he took it by the right hand. 
He lifted him up, his feet and ankle bones received strength. He went walking, leaping and praising God into the temple. And when the people saw him walking, leaping and praising God, they thought there were some kind of gods that were going to exalt them and lift them up. And Peter said, hey, it's nothing we did. No, no, no. It's his name through power and the faith of his name that made this man strong whom you see and know. It's the faith that is by him that gave him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Isn't, isn't that what they said? Right. Well, then you would think that the Jewish people, you would think that the religious leaders were so ecstatic because that man's been begging alms for how many years outside the temple gate. And what happens? They get infuriated. They're upset about it. They're not ecstatic about it. And they take Peter and John, pull them aside and just say, don't you ever teach or preach in the power of that name ever, ever, ever again. And Peter and John, you know, what do they do? I love this. They go back to their own company. And they said to their own company, and they began to pray. Oh, hallelujah. They reported all the chief priests and elders said unto them. And they said, Lord, you're God. You made heaven. You made earth. You made the sea. And all that in me is who by the mouth of thy servant David said, why did the heathen rage? And the people imagined vain things. The kings of the earth stood up and were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou had anointed. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the people of Israel to do whatever their hand decided to determine for to be done. But Lord, behold their threatenings. Behold their threatenings. We're living in a, in a nasty world, but behold their threatenings. And grant unto your servants that with all boldness we preach thy word by stretching forth your hand to heal. And signs or wonders are wrought by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And spake the word of God with boldness. Whew. Didn't shake the people. Shook the house. Shook the ground. Now that's church. Is that church or what? See, church is not when we just come together, sit down real pious, real nice, and just say, can't wait till this is done. Can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> oh, I knew the church I was growing up when I just said, been an hour and no it's been four minutes okay I'm watching flies land on the guy head in front of me just watching him just you know, like a horse race just going around in a circle and I'm thinking when will this be over it was painful you know what I mean painful you know why I never saw the building shake I never saw the building shake I didn't hear the word of God go forth I didn't see the power of God manifest I didn't hear people responding, getting saved, healed, delivered, set free, and made whole. Praise God. But when I got saved and I saw that, oh, I'm telling you right now, you couldn't keep me out of church. I love being in church. I would be the first one in church, last one to leave the church, be a part of the church, do what I could in the church, play my guitar in the church, preach the Bible in the church, in a faith class. I couldn't get enough of God, praise God. Amen. And I got filled with the Holy Ghost and filled with power. I spoke with other tongues. The Spirit of God gave me utterance. And if you don't stop me, I'm never going to stop. You know what I'm talking about? Reality with God. A relationship with God. Knowing God. And I went back and just, the Lord said to me, go back and rehearse all the things I ever did for you because you acted in faith. And I thought, you saved me by your grace. You healed me of, of, of a flu condition 
supernaturally in, in, in a few moments of time as I read through the Bible. You did that supernaturally. You healed my wife so she could have children, praise God, as we laid hands on her and, and cursed endometriosis. And I went on, and you saved my daughter who fell when she fell 10 feet and split her eye wide open and, and she couldn't even walk. But you supernaturally healed her by the power of your might and delivered her and set her free. You delivered that one, the other one, praise God, from tobacco habit. And then you, you met all my need when I went down to Rama. Went down to Rama, praise God, and you provided all my need. When I came back, you made an open door for me. You spoke in an audible voice. I saw your angel. You raised Raise up my son Andrew, praise God. You gave him a left permanent and already made him whole. And the list was going on and on and on and on. I thought, thank God for the power of God. Thank God for the word of God. Thank God that we know him personally. In a personal relationship. Amen. Hallelujah. So uh, when someone said to me, well, speaking in tongues is not for today. I thought, you're too late. Sorry. And said, well, if you, if you do speak in tongues, it just means that you won't swear anymore. I said, you're too late for that, too. <laughs> it takes a moment after you get saved to drop a couple of those words. Don't look at me like that. Come on. <laughs> uh, let's move on. <laughs> We've been given instructions. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 27. Instructions. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. Now that's talking about a message delivered in tongues. That's not talking about corporate worshiping God. A message. Someone stands up, someone delivers a message. Uh, okay, let someone interpret. But if there be no interpreter, then let him what? Keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself. And to God, let the prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. Okay, so we see order is in the church. First Corinthians 12 is about power. Uh, chapter 13 is about love. Chapter 14 is about order. So you've got these three wonderful chapters. Those are the bookends, power, order. In the middle, you've got love. That's the better way. So we are prompted, motivated by the love of God so that we could use these gifts to reach out to bless people. And to advance the kingdom of God in the earth. In the church service, he said, this is the order. The ultimate purpose is to edify the church, to build up the church. And he doesn't want the, the church service to be wrapped up into one thing. He wants to have freedom by his spirit to move in the way he wants to move. And it takes people yielding themselves to him, allowing him to do so. Okay. But there has to be an interpreter present. Look at uh, verse 28 again. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Notice this. You can speak to yourself. You know, you can speak to yourself in the spirit inside yourself, just like you could speak to yourself in your own language. Right. You can you have think thoughts. You can have got things you know, going on in you. You can sit there and do the same thing under your breath or just just do it in, the, in, in your own thought life. Uh, speaking in tongues in the spirit. And who knows? Maybe God's given you something for yourself. He could do that as well. Could do it for the whole church, but he also do it for yourself. Uh, look at uh, verse 31. From you may all prophesy. Stop right there. How many can prophesy? Wow. Can you imagine if we had a church service and everybody prophesied? Spirit of God move upon you just to give. Now, remember what prophecy is. It's speaking by the Spirit of God 
in a language that you know, to edify, exhort, and comfort. Those three things. Not necessary to predict the future, an element of that can come through it, but the main thing is to build up to edify. Which is why, notice it said that if you pray that you, if you give a message in tongues, you should pray that you interpret. Because why? If there's no interpreter, then the church's not going to get edified unless you give the interpretation. Right? So you has to be someone to interpret. Then if it's only for yourself, then you can do it for yourself. You can interpret for yourself as well. But here, all may prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be comforted. So it's okay to do that. Every person to prophesy, to speak by the Spirit of God, words of comfort, encouragement, instruction, teaching, it says there, and also comfort to comfort other people as the Spirit of God moves upon you. But then also look at verses 32 and 33. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So here, these verses reveal to us that God is not going to move upon somebody and have them say something or do something that does not align itself with the word of God. That's not going to happen. You can't walk away and say, but the Holy Ghost made me do it. Because the Holy Ghost will not make us do anything apart from the Word of God. So, that gives us instruction and understanding as to how we can basically know what is of God and what is not of God. Remember, we've been told to try the spirits to determine whether or not they are of God. Okay, you can be more specific. I could be very specific. Here is someone that said... God moved on him in, 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 in prophecy. Someone prophesied over them and just said that that woman's going to be your wife. And he was ecstatic, except he found out that she was already married. Well, that doesn't work, right? That, could that have been the Holy Ghost to say that? Absolutely not. Why? Because that's blatantly against the will of God, right? Right, so that could not have been the Holy Spirit moving in that whoever was being supposedly used. You don't like this? doesn't work that way. So the Holy Ghost would never tell us to do something apart from God's word. Never tell us to say something apart from God's word that doesn't line up with God's word. Why? Because he's the Holy Spirit. And when we yield to him, we recognize that. Okay, so we have to know the word of God. We should know the word of God. We should have a basic understanding of the word of God. And then we should yield ourselves to the spirit. And also, we should... If I could use this terminology, we should practice at home. Get alone with God. He wants a personal relationship with us. He wants to show his love for us. He wants to flood us, to fill us with himself. He wants nothing more but to take over our lives, right? And so we yield ourselves to him and allow him to move upon our hearts. And maybe in our own private devotional time, we pray out in, in the spirit. And then also there comes an interpretation. You could practice that. You could do that, you know, in your own devotional time. But notice how he said that if you're doing it publicly, there should be somebody to determine whether or not it's of God. Isn't that what it says? Yeah, to try the spirits and also determine whether or not it's being spoken is the right thing. So we can't blame him. And then finally, he's the God of peace and not confusion. But look at chapter 14, verses 37 through 41. We'll close right there with that. If any man... Think himself to be a prophet or spiritual. Let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man 
be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Pretty strong words, wouldn't you say? Yeah. So you call yourself a prophet, but yet it doesn't line up with the word. And you better go back and reevaluate what you're, what you're believing, what you're thinking about yourself. So don't be ignorant or without understanding of what I'm sharing with you, Paul's saying. So wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy. What is the commandment of the Lord? Covet. What's covet mean? Earnestly desire. What should we earnestly desire? Prophesy. Covet to prophesy. And forbid not to speak with tongues. So with this understanding, with this revelation, he is saying, look, this is how it should be. This is how it should be done. But look at covet to prophesy, because in church, when you prophesy, the benefit is that you reach more than yourself by building yourself up as an individual or edifying yourself. You edify the whole body of believers when you prophesy. So it shouldn't just be to, to speak in tongues. So to be honest with you, I've always thought this way from the very beginning. The one that speaks in tongues and delivers a message has a lot less responsibility than the one who delivers the message because they say it in an intelligible way, make it understandable to you and to me, and it better be accurate. You see that? It better be accurate. Why? Because it's going to be uh, tested. And then the next verse, let all, be, all things be done decently and in order. So God is a God of order. So we see here, he's a God of power. We see here, he's a God of love. And in chapter 14, he's a God of order. Everything should be done decently and in order. Tammy, come on up and just play some background music here. Let everything be done decently and in order. So here's what happens. Can I go down this path just for a moment? Man, when we were down in the little church down there in Midland, you know what we did? We had three-hour services. We did. We had three-hour services. And we just spent 45 minutes ministering to the Lord, worshiping God, waiting on God. See, in the Pentecostal circles, we want to take time to wait on God. Allow the Spirit of God to move and manifest Himself. That's what the whole thing is about. That way you're coming to a church and service and you're saying, I don't want what I want. But didn't you put together a message? You know how many times I put together a message and I walked up there on the way up there and the Lord says, you're not delivering that message today. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. Well, you know that kind of a position that puts me in? What am I going to do? Just listen. Just listen. And then it delivered a message that came from the heart, I say, straight from the throne of God to the people. That was a whole lot different and better than what I probably had written down there. I'm not saying he wouldn't have anointed it, you know, but it was, that's not for today. What's for today is right here. Why does he do that? Because he knows who's out there. Because he knows what your need is. He knows what you need to hear. See, I'm just a vessel. I couldn't even think that up. I remember doing that on numerous occasions. Just go out there and start talking. When you start talking, I'll take over. I will anoint your lips of clay. I'll make your tongue as a pen of a ready writer, and you'll say what I want you to say. And they'll hear what I want them to hear. And then I'll do what I want to do in their lives. Now, that's what we want. Not a regimented service to where it's got to be this way, this way, this way, and that. And then the Holy Ghost says, what about me? 
I'm over here in the corner. I'm waiting. No, come on, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Manifest yourself. We give ourselves to you. Come on, let's, let's all gather here before we dismiss tonight.